Hey everybody, so this will be the third time that I've actually hit record on this thing because the first time I butchered the first line and it was like, oh, I'm going to redo it. It's not, you know, I'm all hurt. I didn't already read the whole story. And then <coughs> I, I cough and my mouth gets dry. I'm going to have to drink some water real quick before I read this story again. Then I read the entire story. And I gave my deep thoughts on this story. And then I went on a tangent and wanted to look up a definition. So I paused the recording and went to the internet. I did not realize that if you leave the app, it will not save where you paused. So now I have to do this a third time. Only this time I have to read the entire story again. My voice is going to be so tired. Oh my goodness. So hopefully, <laughs> I learned my lesson not to leave the app if I pause the recording. For, oh my gosh, I have to do this all over again. Okay, let me take a sip of water, but I'm going to pause it knowing that it should still be there because I am not going to leave the app when I pause it. It's time to get a drink of water. Okay. So, today... For the third time, even though you're listening to this for the first time, if if you are listening to this, of course, um, I will be re okay. So I, for the second time, I'll be reading um, the pack of ragamuffins. This is the tenth story in the book, the complete fairy. Uh, God, so. The, uh, today I'll be reading another story in the book, The Complete... Gosh darn it. <laughs> I really don't want to have to redo this another time. Um, you know what? I'm keeping that. Alright. So, in this recording, I will be reading another story from the book, Grimm's Complete Fairy Tales, from the Brothers Grimm. And this is the tenth story in the book, and it is titled The Pack of Ragamuffins. So here I go again for myself. But here we go for you for the first time. The cock once said to the hen, It is now the time when our nuts are ripe. So let us go to the hill together and for once eat our fill before the squirrel takes them all. Yes, replied the hen. Come, we will have some pleasure together. Then they went away to the hill and because it was a bright day, they stayed till evening. Now, I do not know whether it was that they had eaten till they were too fat or whether they had become proud but they would not go home on foot, and the cock had to build a little carriage of nutshells. When it was ready, the little hen seated herself in it and said to the cock, You can just harness yourself to it. Huh, I like that, said the cock. I would rather go home on foot than let myself be harnessed to it. No, that is our... Not our bargain. I do not mind being coachman and sitting on the box, but I will not drag it myself. As they were 
thus disputing, a duck quacked at them. You thieving folks who told you to go to my nut hill. Well, you shall suffer for it, and ran with open beak at the cock. But the cock also was not idle and fell boldly on the duck, and at last wounded her so with his spurs that she begged for mercy, and willingly let herself be harnessed to the carriage as a punishment. The little cock now seated himself on the box and was coachman, and thereupon they went off in a gallop with, with Duck, go as fast as you can. When they had driven a part of the way, they met two foot passengers, a pin and needle. They cried, Stop! Stop! And said that it would soon be as dark as pitch, and then they could not go a step further, and that it was so dirty on the road, and asked if they could not get into the carriage for a while. They had been at the tailor's tavern by the gate, and had stayed too long over the beer. As they were thin and did not take up much room, the cock let them both get in, but they had to promise him and his little hen not to step on their feet. Late in the evening they came to an inn, and as they did not like to go further by night, as the duck also was not strong on her feet and fell from one side to the other, they went in. The host at first made many objections. His house was already full, and he thought they could not be very distinguished persons. But at last, as they made pleasant speeches and told him that he should have the egg with the little hen, uh which the little hen has laid on the way, and should likewise keep the duck which laid one every day. He at length said, said they might stay at the night, and now they had themselves well served, and they feasted and caroused. Early in the morning when day was breaking, and everyone was asleep, the cock awoke the hen, brought the egg, pecked it open, and they ate it together. But they threw the shell on the, earth, on the hearth, then they went to the needle, which was still asleep, took it by the head, and stuck it in the cushion on the landlord's chair, and put the pin in his towel, and at last, without more ado, they flew away over the hearth. The duck, who liked to sleep in the open air, um, and had stayed in the yard, heard them going away, and made herself merry, and found a stream down which she swam which was a much quicker way of traveling than being harnessed to a carriage. The host did not get out of bed for two hours after this. He washed himself and wanted to dry himself, and then the pin went over his face and made a red streak from one ear to the other. After this, he went into the kitchen and wanted to light a pipe, but when he came to the hearth, the eggshell darted, into his eyes. This morning everything attacks my head, said he, and angrily sat down on his grandfather's chair, but he quickly started up again and cried, Woe is me! For the needle had pricked him still worse than the pin, and not in the head. Now he was thoroughly angry and suspected the guest who had come so late the night before, and when he went and looked about for them, they were gone. Then he made a vow to take no more ragamuffins into his house, for they consume much, pay for nothing, and play mischievous uh, God, 
and play mischievous tricks as thanks. All right. Well, I made it through reading that out loud again. Uh, of course, I hope you enjoyed hearing that for your first and probably only time. Uh, so, yeah, this was very interesting. Um, now, I don't know if it's just that I have a dirty mind and I'm just really looking, thinking too deeply into it. Um, but kind of like last time when, um, kind of like last time, last previous story, when I, I had thought something similar. I I thought that there was some kind of hidden message about a character losing her virginity, um, in the last one. And in this one, it's not same thing as thinking somebody uh, was trying to lose their virginity in this one, but I thought there was some kind of hidden sexual message in it. Um, and like I said, it could just be that I, maybe I have a dirty mind, but this is what I'm talking about for this one, okay? Um, so it, it starts out it, it saying, okay, so the cock once said to the hen, it is now the time when our nuts are ripe, so let us go to the hill together and... Okay, it's now the time when our nuts are ripe. And that is said by the cock. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm not going to go too deep into it, because who knows who would listen to this, uh, how old they would be if anybody does listen to this. But right, that, right there, it could just be that I have a dirty mind, but that sounds like a hidden sexual message to me right there. Um, and then... Okay, uh, and I, I skipped a, a little bit of that line because it's nothing to do with my theory, uh, or to help my theory. And then is uh, the hen replies, "Yes, come, we will have some pleasure together." I mean, come on, pleasure. And I could be wrong, but I I swear the word pleasure was used in the last story too. Now that's basically it for my theories about hidden sexual messages. Um, I don't know if the person that put these stories together in this book had a a dirty mind as well, or what was going through the head. Um, If they did that on purpose, putting this story immediately after the previous story. Um, But that is really interesting to think about. I mean, really? Uh, okay, and, um, okay, so life lessons, um, here's a, like, a really small one, uh, from, let me see here, um, okay, um, well, when they meet the, uh, the pin and needle, um, it is mentioned that they had been at the Taylor's Tavern by the gate and had stayed too long over the beer. Now, that could be a good life lesson in that, um, j- drinking responsibly, um, you know, being careful if you're drinking, um, like to make, bring it back to, 
up to date to now, you know, if you're drinking and getting drunk, you don't want to drive yourself home. Uh, you want to be picked up by somebody you know or take a cab or Uber or something. Um, and in this situation, they didn't want to walk drunkenly in the night, so they took, they got a ride. So uh, that could be, and that that part is only mentioned in the book about them getting drunk once. Uh, but it's there's a such a tiny, small message, life lesson in that right there. And interesting, interestingly, when I talked about life lessons. The previous time that I recorded that didn't get saved, I did not mention that life lesson because when I reread it again for this recording, that's when I caught that little tiny lesson there. Um, if it was meant to be a life lesson, uh, because of course I was not there when the Grimm brothers um, came up with these stories. So I don't know exactly what went through their head, but that, that is my one thought about a life lesson that could be there. Um, now, another one I am going to say um, it's probably to treat people how you want to be treated because um, the you know the, the characters did all these things that ended up harming the the innkeeper and um, the innkeeper made a vow to not let any more ragamuffins come in. So it could be a good life lesson to treat people how you want to be treated. Uh, because uh, you may not be welcome later on. Uh, to, you know, have good vibes around people. Uh, you know, treat them nicely. Um, if you, because people remember your actions, people remember the things that you do. So, um, you know, just be nice to everybody because they'll remember you uh, for how you act around them, how you treat them. Um, now. I mean, those are really the only life lessons I could think of from coming from this. Now, the title, Pack of Ragamuffins. Now, here's what I think of ragamuffins, okay? When I first read that. So when I go through these stories, I read the title first before I read the story, which I I mean, most people do, I'm sure. But I, I read the title first before it without even knowing anything that happens in the story. Now, when I think of ragamuffins, okay. Now, here here's what the the innkeeper had to say about ragamuffins. Then he made a vow to take no more ragamuffins into his house for they consume much, pay for nothing and play mischievous tricks as thanks. Now, I don't know if that, okay, I will say that in the tangent I went on that caused me to have to record again, um, I did look up a definition for ragamuffin, but before I get into that definition, I will say that before reading this, I did not really know what a ragamuffin was. Now, and I wasn't sure if that was an actual or close definition for a ragamuffin, what the, uh, the innkeeper said about them. Uh, but when I think of a ragamuffin, okay, so in Belize where my mom lives, she lives on one of the keys called Kikaker. Uh, but uh, in, in the key areas, in the, the area where the popular islands are, in Belize, 
uh, there are a lot of snorkeling guide tour uh, tour guides snorkeling guide guide guided snorkeling trips. I'm trying to think of the right word to say uh, or how to word it correctly, but anyways, and uh, when you go on these snorkel tours, most of the time you are on a speedboat, and I I want to say speedboat. I'm not sure if that's the right term for the type of boat, but those boats that go pretty fast with the engine on it. So most of these tour guides just run on the engine uh, and and go fast to the snorkel spots. Now, uh, some of them will take sailboats. So there's a snorkel company on Cocker where my mom lives called Ragamuffin. And it's one of the ones where you... They, it's a sailboat. Now, the sailboat, the ragamuffin, it has an engine on it. So they'll go fast at the beginning getting to the snorkel spots. But then on the way back, uh, they they sail the whole way back to the island. And it's really nice and really relaxing. Um, but, yeah, they're called ragamuffin. And so thinking of the ragamuffin that I always thought of when I thought of ragamuffin... Um, Comparing it to what the innkeeper says about ragamuffins, two completely different things. Because, because what the innkeeper says makes ragamuffins seem unlike. But, but the ragamuffin sailboat snorkel company that that I know of, they're very, they're very kind. They're very likable. So, um, so that's just an interesting tidbit of what I think of when I read. Ragamuffins are here. The word ragamuffins. Now, I like I was saying earlier. I did go on a tangent about this, and so much to the point where I paused the recording and left the app to go online to look for a ragamuffin definition, which was the cause of me having to re-record everything. Um, now that I had looked up the definition, I can say about leaving this app, basically what I learned from the definition. So the definition of a ragamuffin, according to online, is somebody wearing raggedy clothing. Um, the first definition says, in particularly a child, uh, but the, the second one after that is just say, says wearing raggedy clothing, which is very interesting because, okay, so like the ragamuffin sailboat, nobody wears raggedy clothing on that. Um, I'll, you know, I mean, they wear comfortable clothing because they're out on the sea under the sun, but they, I wouldn't say they wore raggedy clothing. Uh, but I guess, okay, so the characters, I mean, the innkeeper, it does mention in the story that the innkeeper, um, had so many objections to letting them stay in. So I guess he was basing it off of the way that they looked, um, being that the actual definition of ragamuffin is somebody is wearing raggedy clothing, I guess, uh, based off of the way they look, because it was a uh, a rooster and a hen. I'm not going to say cock again, um, being that I'm not reading it out loud anymore. But a rooster and a hen, you know, and, and pin and needles and a duck, I guess, in his mind, were raggedy looking. So I guess it kind of does make sense. Um, but apparently that's the definition is, uh, wearing raggedy, raggedy clothing or someone who has on raggedy clothing. Um, and there was a 
another definition uh, for ragamuffin, and, it, and ragamuffin is a type of uh, music, a uh, type of song uh, with a mixture of reggae and and uh, um, and uh, EDM music. Uh, so uh, so ragamuffin is also a type of music, uh, which doesn't have anything to do with raggedy clothes. Um, but, yeah, so, now, if, if you were like me and didn't actually know a de- what a definition for ragamuffin was, now you know it's, uh, somebody in raggedy clothing or wearing raggedy clothing or a type of music. Um, which I don't think the characters in this story were music, but, uh, so it definitely had to be closer to the raggedy clothing definition, although I don't know if they were actually wearing any clothes, the rooster and the hen. But, uh, yeah, so that's all of my thoughts on the tenth story in the complete fairy, uh, Grimm's Complete Fairy Tales book of the pack of ragamuffins. That was, those are all my thoughts. I had a, a lot of thoughts about it, or things to say about it, at least. And, uh, so I'll be back next time with the 11th story in the book, which is titled Little Brother and Little Sister. So, until next time.